Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen. What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Antonsen. Today's guest on the show is Zane Westwood. Um, I love it when Zane comes on. He's one of my favorite foilers, absolutely rips prone, um, doing some of the craziest downwinding sends with James and Josh, Jeremy. And we dive into all of it. There's a lot of tuning talk in this episode. I learned a lot. And anytime I come out of a show when I'm thinking about things and have things that I want to go test, that's when I'm excited about the show. And hopefully it will do the same for you. So uh, we're going to get right into it today because I want to get this episode out and I don't have a lot of time. So enjoy the show with Zane. Hit me with questions, comments, feedback. Hope everybody is well and sending and take care. Zane, what's up, brother? Hey, how are you, Eric? Doing well. Just, um, it's pretty gloomy outside this morning, so I'm just sitting on the couch, just keeping warm. Um, Man, it's been a bit since we've talked, and I was reflecting on our last two conversations, and, you know, I want to start this by saying it was really interesting the first time that we spoke because you were already a really good foiler, but it was like you're a kinesthetic learner, I would assume, in so far as you're just innately good at things and you're just figuring things out. But the first time we spoke, you, you didn't really articulate everything that you were doing. And by the second time, a lot of that had formulated into concrete language and, and the second episode was amazing. And our conversation and texts over the last, what has it been, almost a year at this point, probably, um, I feel like that has continued to solidify. And now I feel like you're one of the guys really leading the charge in understanding how we're getting feels and the technical aspects of everything behind. So I think that's a really cool jump to make because you don't find a lot of guys who are kind of kinetic that then move into the the technical like back end style. So the good on you. And uh can't wait yeah, to, to hear what you figured yeah. out. Yeah, it's been a bit of a rabbit hole, to be honest. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I've been really enjoying it with just tuning gear. More more so, it started with downwinding, tuning the gear. But mm -hmm. now it's gone into all aspects of foiling with um, just trying to get that extra 1% or half a percent out of my what I'm feeling for more enjoyment of the ride. But um, <clears throat> yeah, the... So the the tuning with the the gear and all that kind of started when I jumped onto lift, however long ago it was like a year and a half ago, and um, just playing around with setups and um, tail shims, base plate shims, and I've realised how much more you can get out of your ride and make it more efficient, um, and just makes it a lot easier say for like downwind foiling to like stay with bumps and um just just to 
ride a lot more efficient. Um, yeah, especially long distance. We've been doing a few long distance downwinding, me, Oscar, Jeremy, James, and Josh. It's amazing what you guys are doing. Like your sends are insane. It's it's kind of hard yeah. for me to fathom that. Oh, it's when the conditions are right, it's like it's it's essentially it's not too bad. You're just kind of right, like you know, you you know what I mean? You're just riding the energy, but you just have the mindset of uh being a bit more um you just gotta be a bit more conservative with your with your riding. You don't want to panic pump too much or you know, chase chase bumps down as much as you want to. But um, yeah, that's that's been fun over summer. We're, I'm kind of hanging out for another one, but yeah, it's coming into our kind of winless season. Mm-hmm. But that we've been getting heaps of wind, <laughs> so it's so, hard to plan stuff like that. Have you but, been um, having? Oh, sorry, have you been having conversations with Lyft about how incredible it is to be able to tune your gear? Because I think it's funny that you are one of the most kind of dialed in, tune it all up. Uh, riders out there and you're riding lift which is just famous for, for not giving any options to tune you know it's like i talked to nick about that when he was on the show and um you know back in the day but yeah t- what are you saying we d- i definitely talked to matt um i do talk to matt about it and yeah um nick um also matt and i'm just um just telling him what i'm feeling with what how i'm tuning things and i've got this like angle meter so mm-hmm. incidents meter and I, that's how I kind of tune. Like, say, if I get a new tail, I'll um, use it as a reference to where it's sitting and then go from there. Mm-hmm. And then I just, uh, I've sent a few emails over to them about just um, like if, like, a specific tail that I'm riding in comparison to a stock tail mm-hmm. and just how much more efficiency I'm getting out of it. And yeah, it's good. Like, we're all open, they're all open to, to anything with um just essentially making it a better ride for the for the riders or the consumers which is great um but yeah I just it's been so fun just playing around like it's like there's it's just like when you feel like you don't want to go foil you just I just think of like an uh something I haven't ridden or a setup I haven't ridden and it just gets me frothy to get back out there and uh yeah. try it out so I- it's uh, it's always good there's always something new around the corner. I love it when, because I, I do that too. I do that same thing. And I love it when there's one thing that I'm like, like the first time I tried a negative shim, I was on the 1095. It was probably a year, year and a half ago. And it was on the blunt tail and it just didn't feel great. And I'd never heard of anybody negative shimming. And I just went out there and, and just, you know, like just took a degree out of it, and just flattened it out. And then like, it wasn't in the right place. So I came back in on my next wave and I just slammed it all the way far forward. And one of the best sessions I ever had. And it was one of those ones where I never would have thought about that. Like I, I never, it hadn't crossed my mind that that could be an incredible feel. And yeah. It's kind of intuitive, isn't it? To yeah. like shim your tail flatter so that it's like, when I started doing that for downwinding, I was like, Oh, I feel like I'm going to nosedive. I'm not even going to get up on foil. And then funny enough, you, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the run, it's like, I can't, I was like blown in a way of the efficiency it um added to the foil mm-hmm. so that's pretty much how i ride most my downwind foils is with negative shim and it just varies from the foil to foil um so like my 120 i'll, I'll ride with 
0.25 negative shim or on what tail? Sorry? On what tail? Uh, the Marlin, KD Marlin at the moment. Those are good tails. I like them. They're really good. Yeah, yeah. I've been really liking how, um, just how nice it rides. Um, you ride the 13? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I like. Yeah, too. I just straight up got a 13. <laughs> um, do, you, do you surf it as well or do you just like it on the downwind? Uh, no, I don't I don't surf any of the – I just surf the, the stock carve tails. Um mm -hmm surfing uh and winging because I, I i like the 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 angle in the tail and how much positive feel it gives you because mm -hmm. i do like a lot of front foot when i'm um in the surf um yeah uh, other than downwinding it's more just like even like 50 50. Mm -hmm. yeah um funny well when i was up north i was chatting to adam about base plate shimming and he said you guys <clears throat> oh ages ago came to the agreement of um the <laughs> hit me the, about this <laughs> so funny and i kind of debunked it i, I want to i'm glad you brought this up because we should talk <laughs> it through because i stand by what i said but i think we're talking about different things so why don't you right. give the overview of kind of what we were talking about and then we could each make our case and see where we land okay i'm, I'm happy so for me with base plate shimming on the mast for me to get more front foot feel i'm putting the thick edge towards the front like facing forward and that so that gives me more front foot but um and then vice versa with so with with my sup i'll put a, a degree shim facing forward thick edge at the front and then to give me more front foot and then with the tail i trim it so there's it's essentially less lift so it's more efficient Mm -hmm. so i don't i'm not anyway and then with the prone i do with my spitfire there's a bit there's a fair bit of rocker in the tail so i'm um putting a thick edge at the in the tail so i'm taking out rocker yeah so um and then i was chatting to adam about it when we're walk, doing walk arounds and he's doing he was doing the opposite to achieve the same thing as what i was doing and then i we kind of broke it down and he had a bit of an aha moment. <laughs> it was great. So here's where I agree and here's where I disagree. I think when you're talking about sup and downwind, I, I am in agreement with that in that shimming the front and lifting the nose is going to give you more front foot when you're going in a straight line, when you're kind of pumping downwind. But where I think it's different and where I when I say it gives you more front foot when you shim the back bolts like in surfing prone, is that you have a higher angle of attack on the foil. And so when you're banked over, it's actually with a, the, the foil is driving you into the turn. Like taken in a, at an extreme, if you were to front, if you were to shim the front bolt, say like an inch, and then you tried to do a turn, think about how hard you'd have to be pushing on that back foot to keep the foil flying through the turn, right? Um, and so I feel like like one degree of uh, tail shim, base plate tail shim, when you're surfing gives you like a real carvy feel. Like it wasn't until I did that on the lift foils that I could really feel like I could surf them the way that I could surf like a Takuma, say, to where it's pushing you through the turn and you're not having to, you know, come really hard back on the tail to keep the nose up through the turn. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So I think I think we're yeah, saying kinda... the same thing with a with a distinct difference. I do find that if I shim front bolts, oh, yeah. I lose some pump. Yeah, it makes it real nose high, and it it's definitely less efficient when you're yeah. when you front foot. You're trying to. It's like you're pumping uphill essentially. Yep. Exactly. Mm. I definitely because none of my prone boards I shim the front uh, thick edge. I always put it in the back to mm -hmm. trim it the board so it's essentially more level when i'm pumping um but because it's funny you say that actually because <clears throat> when i got the new lift gear recently um i was riding the 70 and it was like the week i got that i went up, i was i went up north to uh byron um and it just worked out that i got all the gear and it was perfect to go ride like uh feel out the new lift 70 and um so with my so with the 90 I I shimmed the base plate um a degree in the back. Mm -hmm. And no, no, no. Uh yeah, it actually just varies. It really varies conditions. But when I'm up there, I I I put a degree in the back. And then when I jumped on the 70, I started with a degree, but it wasn't it was too much. Uh no, it wasn't enough um front foot so I, I i put it down to a 0.75 and it just felt way better for all that pumping made my uh pumping a lot more efficient okay and then it made it more even like front and back uh yeah like it was like 50 50. Mm -hmm. so I could like shift from my front foot to my back foot through turns um a lot smoother um yeah, because with the 70, having the nose up, <clears throat> having the nose higher when pumping, it was like, felt like I was fighting it the whole time. And that that foil, like, it definitely doesn't pump as good as the 90, but it um, it's obviously the compromise of pump for how well it surfs um, and how fast you can roll it over. Yeah, your clips on it are mental. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah You've it's been, been dropping fun. some bangers lately, man. Yeah, I've been trying to work on the uh, old socials. <laughs> a bit of a job, isn't it? Um, if you try to take it on, it is for sure. I know. That's <laughs> yeah. all fun. Um, I'm kind of getting a free ride right now because uh, so many people are kind of just tagging me in posts when they're getting foils that I'm just reposting everything. <laughs> That's so good. It's uh, kind of cool. <laughs> Definitely created a good thing for yourself. Um, it's just cool that it's gone well, you know, it's like, yeah. it's been fun. It's actually, I'm yeah, actually so really open. excited because yesterday we signed off on the tail and that's been such a journey, man. We did like 20 protos and it was one of the worst things ever and, and, and got to sign off on one yesterday and like, I'm just stoked that that's done. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't cool. have to think about it anymore. A new, a new uni one. Yeah. 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 Nice. Well, the the progression was supposed to come out with a tail, and we just couldn't get it better than what was out there, and so we just I didn't feel comfortable like yeah. releasing something that I didn't think was better. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Definitely, it's crazy how much like obviously how much the a tail influences the front wing. It's like it's just as important, I think. Mm -hmm. And what are you liking tails right now? Let's let's talk tails for a little bit. It's a bit of a loaded question. Depends what uh, discipline you're talking about. Let's start with with downwind. 
what feels okay. and you know you could start with the reference of the marlin because you said you like and i like that a lot as well um so what is that tail giving you um so that tail is giving me a balance of glide that um so it's just that feeling <clears throat> i'll give you kind of reference i was riding the uh the 13r mm -hmm. for a while and that obviously it's a thicker profile i'm not too sure Draw about the, uh, the specs of it, but it feels like a thicker profile, so it gives you more initial lift, and throughout your turns, it gives you that front foot um, feeling, like that positive feeling in your front foot. Um, so that definitely feels better for turning. And then when you when I got on the Marlin, what I noticed straight away, it had a higher stall speed. Um, it's definitely it's definitely a more high aspect tail, and that um it definitely matched it matched the 120 i reckon for downwind it just made it a lot more efficient and you could just get like that extra extra like couple meters of glide between bumps to connect them mm -hmm. which is sometimes 13 you're pumping to those sections but with a 13 uh the marlin you could just glide and make that section and it it, it is a it's a fair fairly faster uh tail I'd say an extra fifteen percent faster, which is a fair bit in um in foil terms, I reckon. And then with proning in tails, I just like tails that are um I like I guess like the carved tail is I I ride the carved twenty six. Um and I do like the drag in it so it gives you just make, makes it more surfier and um like you know when you have those moments you're carving and it just keeps giving back to you and you can keep wrapping around mm -hmm. i really like that feeling on a, on a prone fall just it's just that confidence of like pretty much you can kind of put your board wherever uh your setup wherever you want it to go instead of like kind of fighting it through a turn and you're just not that confident um yeah it's more yeah that's it yeah and then wingings i guess the same as proning but you just yeah it's the same kind of feel i've currently gone down on a, a, a smaller uh wing board so it feels more like prone surfing now mm -hmm. um yeah so i was thinking about kind of tails and like radiuses that they will draw. And one of the things that I really like in a setup when it's tuned properly is that you can roll it over and you can keep a, like a tight radius and then you don't have to go, you know how like, if you think about surfing, how when you're doing a cutback, like you're on rail and then you wrap it from the tail back up into the section or whatever. Yeah. You know, so like you're, you're on the rail and then when you want to, you can kind of transfer your weight, start pushing through the tail and, and tighten the radius and come up. The cool thing about foiling is that since we really don't lose speed, you can stay on that rail a lot longer, but sometimes if you're not dialed and the setup, you know, what's starting to drop out on you, then you have to go back to the tail and then you're using some of that like body energy. And then that stops your turn early. I really like setups that. Yeah. It's more pivot. Yeah. Exactly. I, I like setups where. <clears throat> I can control, I can decide when I want to go to the tail. It's not the foil telling me I have to like start shifting and pushing through the tail to finish the turn. I like it when I can kind of decide yeah. when I want to do that. Um, and then trying yeah. to find that with a setup that's still 
incredibly efficient is is the tough part, right? It's because you know usually those things are at odds. Yeah, those working against each other, or usually, yes. yeah, it's good to, um, yeah, it's good to have a setup. I find I feel that you have more influence over it than it does over you. Mm -hmm. uh, you get those. Sometimes I ride like a foil, and it just is overpowering for me. And um, yeah, I just like that feeling where I can just—it's kind of just under my command, rather than I'm I'm going along for the ride. Mm -hmm. I've started to um, appreciate more stable setups too because of that same thing, where I want to be able to control. I want to be able to relax into the foil and push it as hard as I want when I want to, but I don't, I don't want to be controlling a lot of little yaw movements or side to side oh. wiggles until I I'm, want it to turn. Okay. That's interesting. I'm the opposite. I like a real skatey kind of feel in a prone, but I like the yaw, the yaw pivoting and I like that skatey feel. I can kind of just, I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I've jumped but, on a few setups that are real, I, I, they're a lot like a lot stiffer and mm -hmm. like I'm kind of more locked in the whole time and I'm just like it's harder to roll over for me but I, it was like only riding them for like three waves so it's hard to actually get a good understanding of how the foil mechanics work so I wonder like if I think about the carved tails though you know they have tips and they have a little bit of you know dihedral on them I mean that's more of a locked in type of tail than um something that would be you know just a flat tail like if you yeah. think about like the the marlin is pretty locked in because it's got that anhedral in it um but like the k the kd13r is probably skatier i would say than uh than a carved tail right um uh yeah actually it would be yeah i've actually ridden it once or twice and it definitely does feel more locked in but i think um maybe i'm just thinking of like the actual foil the front the front mm -hmm. wing feeling of that skate because like then i ride the 90 a lot proning and then i've gone over to like a try <clears throat> someone else's setup in the in the surf and i've ridden that and it felt more locked in mm -hmm. like for me so maybe it's just the front foil or the foil they were riding was too big for me maybe and the start. 90 is just such a small foil that i think you probably yeah. want to balance that out a little bit although i've only ridden yeah. it a couple times it's so small here it's like the juice isn't really worth the sweet the squeeze for me for sure yeah it's uh, it seems like um where you are the 120 would be the perfect size yep i like the one yeah that's i still like that a lot in the in the surf it's such a good foil it's crazy mm -hmm. how long it's st uh, stood the test of time <laughs> you know a hundred percent i mean i think yeah, that lift crazy. led so far with that 120 it was like one of those brilliant moments of uh of um innovation in our sport yeah really cool sure. props to, to nick that for next, that for yeah. sure <clears throat> um so downwind these enduro runs you guys are doing which which i have a hard time understanding well i say that but then we get like epic conditions one day and we finish our run and i'm kind of laughing because most of the time we're working so hard <laughs> so it's hard to gauge how hard it is to do a you know 50k run in good conditions because we don't really get that. Um, yeah. And I've been loving like Josh Koo's videos. He's been dropping just crazy good YouTube edits and kind of bringing everyone along. If, if you guys aren't checking out his YouTube page, check out Josh Koo's 
YouTube to, uh, yeah. to see the downward runs that, um, all, all you guys over in Australia are doing, um, talk through what you've learned about sending for that amount of distance, anything that's jumping out. Um, definitely first thing that comes to mind is foil. So choice, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've done two now I did two over summer. We did one. Um, the first one I did was with Jeremy and Oscar from just south of Sydney, <clears throat> Jervis Bay, which is like a massive bay that comes out. Anyway, we we had an idea. We're like, let's go from the northern end, the northern side. Anyway, <laughs> um, actually, let me go back a bit. The first thing that we that I learned is pick a good um, entry location. <laughs> because <laughs> when we did this Jervis run, we just like, let's go from the northern end. It sticks out further than anywhere else. And then once we're around the corner and we can start, we'll be like how far off the coast when it, mm -hmm. when that, when the, the bay starts to bear back to the land. Um, anyway, <clears throat> we paddled like it was a nor'easter and we paddled straight into the wind. And then, so we're at a beach literally the northerly was dead on shore paddled into the wind about a couple hundred meters and then we turned like right and there's like a long rock shelf like for about a kilometer and the backwash was like horrific like it was that was probably the hardest part just trying to navigate paddling with backwash and then the bumps coming in backwash coming out and just like it was like a, it was a full washing machine is that the one that you guys got cleaned up on the way out yeah that's it that's the one <laughs> yeah. yeah like full cleaned up and then we got around the corner <clears throat> and then there was still so much um, backwash coming off the cliffs so like the first 10 15 kilometers was just like a, a full backwash it was not the ideal conditions um and definitely used a lot of energy though that first hour, uh, half an hour or i'll say hour from getting off the beach because the we paddled out for probably like 30 minutes and um once we got going there was heaps of backwash and obviously when you when you first get up you're just kind of a bit disorientated and you gotta like settle in so i was like usually when we do a run at home when you're up it's pretty clean straight away so you're just like oh this is you're fine but then we'll, like in jervis when we took like we um started it was just there was so much going on <laughs> <laughs> um but we're lucky we all we all picked the right size foils we weren't underfoiled. we're more on the overfoiled side which is good for that distance um and then pretty much as the as the run um as we went we got we got further into the run it just got cleaner and bigger the whole time so like by the end of it I, I was on the at the start i was on the uh ha170 and then after like pretty much the the that first 15ks i, I could have been on my 120 um just because the conditions are so good so and then <clears throat> like the biggest thing is like you just gotta be onto being hydrated the whole time so like when you feel like you're cramping or you're dehydrated that's pretty much game over 
So you want to just be always hydrated and always have fuel in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like that, that run in particular was really enjoyable because like, it was just like parts of it were like 10 Ks off the coast. Like if like, it was so far off land. It's pretty gnarly. Um, yeah, it was, it's like, it gets to a point where you're like, I don't know, three Ks off and it doesn't really change. Your perception doesn't really change how far you're off. Mm-hmm. But like when we look on a map, we're like, wow, we were really far off the coast. Like if anything happened, like we would have to call the Marantine or whoever to come rescue us. But um, yeah, it was just, that was like so fun just doing that. Like by the end of it, like, I was, we were all, we were all sore, but we all came to the agreement. We could have gone further. Like there was a lot of just standing there gliding and just riding the ocean. There wasn't much pumping. And then, um, the second one we did me, Josh, Jeremy, James, we did that from, uh, Bondi to, um, Wollongong, Port Kembla. And that was around 80 kilometers as well. And we um, anticipated it to be like 20 knots. And it was at the start, the first 50K was like 10 knots. (laughs) (laughs) And we were all, all so underfoiled. Like at that, that run, I um, rode the 120 and I was like majorly underfoiled for two thirds of the run. But, um, like it, it was it was a good, good challenge to just see what I can get away with with uh, long distance foiling. Like I was, I was definitely I was underfoiled, but it was still just enough to to do it. Like I was like with the one twenty. If I'm doing like um, I gauge my like um, like the bracket a foil will be in by the time it does over a kilometer and like the 120 comfortably will like doing like a 220 kilometer and that's like that's fine but i was doing like two two minute 30 kilometers like consistently so i was working a lot harder um and pretty much that whole run like my my like 60 kilometers out of the 80 i was doing two minute 30 like pretty much the whole time like, what's your heart rate during that? Are you monitoring everything? Um, yeah, yeah. My heart rate. Um, oh, it was like I think it was around a hundred beats per minute. I don't understand that. Part. Oh, it's hard to gauge because your watch isn't that accurate. You know. Yeah. Like, there's definitely parts. It's definitely up higher than that for sure. Like it's so. Like I don't know. Like. Like a good run, it will be around like just a run at home and it's good conditions. It'll be around 80 to 100. And then, <laughs> yeah, it's, I'd, I'd really like to actually like properly monitor it with one of those. You see runners with them and they put that band around their chest uh-huh. to do that. Cause the watch I feel like isn't that accurate because it's always moving around and, you know, it's like on your bone, your wrist bone, and it's hard to actually get a gauge. What blows my mind is that like the runs that we do here, you know, Pedigo and Pedigo is in better shape than I am. Um, but you know, the same runs that we're doing, like 
an easy run for us, we're at like 130, 140 average. And the hard runs, we might be, you know, like a 160 average. Like we're yeah. like working <laughs> really hard the whole time. I just, the only thing I can, like, can, that helps me understand it is we're getting these like river days now that we figured out. Yeah. Um, Brian and I have started kind of pioneering like this and my buddy Nate too on, on the wing, Nathan Shue, legend. Um, outgoing tide and hard east wind is creating these like insane river bumps. And we're just laughing because like once you pop up, I mean, you just can kind of stand there and carve and you're never out of breath and the whole thing. And that's like our conditions downwinding has never been that feeling for us. It's more like pump runs almost. Um, just crazy to I, think about doing a long distance run at a heart rate of, of 80. That's just insane. I, um, I, at the start, when I first started downwinding, I actually recently went back and looked at all my like logs and my heart rate at the start was around that 170. Yeah. Mark, like for a while, for a fair while. And then I find once you can paddle up a foil that, um, matches the speed of the conditions, that's when you reduce your heart rate a lot. And, um, you just like, yeah, you don't pump as much essentially. And that's when it's all starts to kind of just get a lot easier. Cause I find obviously when you start, you got to start on the biggest foil you can and you slowly work your way down. And then once you get to that foil size that you're going either faster than the, um, the bumps or the same speed. Mm -hmm. Um, that's when you just reduce your heart rate a lot. That's crazy. Um, yeah. I just wonder how yeah. much we never really get to go downwind. It's always kind of like side for us. Um, yeah. The, the way our coast, there's no like bays that we can go across or anything like that. It's just, you know, somewhat east yeah. swell and we're trying to go south or, you know, north and we're, um, um, it's good training out. though. Yeah. <laughs> she went to Hawaii and have a great time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, epic though, man. Um, have you have you thought about um you guys wing as well? So you, like you could do the wing out for a few kilometers and then pack your wing down and paddle up. Definitely we haven't done that yet, but that that's I, I'm thinking about that for the, like the next nor'easters because that's our hardest direction. And I think it could yeah. be really good. Yeah, definitely. Like well, we, we me and James haven't done one in a while, but the last time we did it, it was pretty onshore. Like uh our runs are like uh from my house to his is like a nor'east run. Mm -hmm. And the more north it is, the better. Like, so if it's north, northeast, it's like that's the other day we got a run like that and it was so fun. But if you get a bit more east on it, like it's a lot more cutting out to the sea. Mm -hmm. You're not really turning down the bumps and like chasing them down. So if you like the last time it was east, nor'east, we went winged out probably for. <clears throat> Uh, 15 minutes like we got like 6k offshore and then the run in was like so good you you're just like literally going straight more so you've gone right into the like returning right which is like such a good thing um and you start out in the open ocean so it's like there's definitely less influence of like what the headlands are doing and um how they how the the uh the swell and the the wind bumps react with the mm -hmm. headlands that makes it a bit more i find it's not as hard paddling up when you're out further because it's just all clean going one direction yep 
actually here, that might be pretty easy for us. I was just thinking about it. And, and I've thought about doing this with the ski. I haven't thought about it um, with the wing yet, but our jetties here, we have a naval base right north of us where like um, we go out when we tow and stuff. And the jetties are a mile. So wow. yeah, it's that. super long jetties, but that would be a really easy way to wing out pretty far. Um, I've thought about just getting dropped off out there out the downwind on those days. Um, on this, you know, have someone drive the ski out, and just drop us off. Yeah. But the wing would be pretty easy too. How how heavy is that once it's packed? I mean, it's got to be what, um, extra five, 10 pounds on your back? Yeah, it's, it's so we try to, when we, we um, deflate, we'll stay up on foil for a bit and deflate it and try and get all the air and mm -hmm. try and not get water in it and keep it dry. But it, Oh, it adds probably three to five kilos. So it definitely has a lot of influence of how, like say my, my board is a hundred, one of my boards is 105 liters. Like the last time I did one and it, I could feel the extra weight and how the buoyancy of the board was in the water. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you definitely can feel it. It's definitely harder to paddle up, but once you're up and going, you, you go faster because you got extra weight. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so yeah um, um where have you landed on on boards what are you riding on your downwind boards now um i'm definitely going down the uh the longer skinnier route which is yeah it's been yeah the lot i'm riding like a, a at the moment around the seven foot length mm -hmm. by 18 or 19 wide and then around a hundred to hundred and five liters. I'm just playing around with the those those dimensions. Like my first board, the white Sultan was one uh it's seven two by nineteen by hundred and five. Um, and that was I've been mean, I was riding that for about five months. And then now I've just gone down to a seven oh by eighteen by hundred and five a hundred liters. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that five liter difference is it's massive. Actually, I've, I've noticed how it's much difference. Um, it is to paddle. Like it's not that much harder to get up on foil, but that extra, that extra, um, the extra volume I find for me creates a lot more stability and in the waterline. So like paddling up um in bumps that or like paddling up or uh, essentially just forcing a paddle up is a lot i found is a lot easier with a with more buoyancy in your board or sorry more volume mm -hmm. other than if you have less volume you've got to really time it um it's more down to timing i feel um, like you can get more bounce on your pump i mean it makes sense right like yeah start getting out a little bit yeah i've just gone um, to i've got a couple like mike and i've been doing a couple like weird protos and i've one of the things that i started to really enjoy was kind of having an all-around board and so i've kind of been playing with that idea where i've been i've been on a 7022 for the last bit and i love winging it and i love sup surfing it as well so it's kind of like i spent a lot of time on that board and i just designed another one um that is a like a six nine twenty three, 
and but the way that I do the bottom, it's like it's almost like there's a smaller 14 inch wide board underneath and then kind of wider rails with about three inches of just that 14 inch wide bottom that's really parallel and, and super hydrodynamic. And then you've got kind of wider rails for stability. Yeah, when you're on the water in the water. What's that? When you're in the water. So it's a yeah, I've seen yeah. I've seen a couple of those times. It makes sense to me. It works. So it didn't really work that well with the 7022. It's just I the the inner part, like the bottom hull was was pretty small and it didn't actually get up and really playing on that. But the new one seems to. And I seem to be popping up much easier. And then the other really cool thing is that you're so stable because it's so wide that, you know, like on those ones where you kind of miss and sometimes like I'd fall. Now I'm not falling in those moments. And so I'm able to keep a lot more momentum and then, you know, chipping on the second one, third one, fourth, whatever it is, Yeah, which is really nice. Um, I need more time to like say that, but it's, it's cool. Cause it's really, it's like really fun to surf that board. And I feel like being a little bit wider allows me to be a little bit more offset. And so it's a little bit more comfortable yeah. once I'm flying. Yeah. I find the wider the board is the, uh, the nicer it is to turn mm -hmm. for sure. Cause you like, Right now I'm on an 18 board and my toes are like over the edge, like they're curling over the edge Yep. when I'm turning. So there's less, I guess there's less swing weight. No, uh, yeah, there's less swing weight. So it's harder actually to maneuver it on like when you're rolling it. Um, and that was for me, I was only one inch. Like I changed, I was, I went down to 18 and it, I could feel that pretty much. That was the first thing I could feel when I was turning. I was like, whoa, it's actually a lot different to turn. Um, do you find um like what's what what how wide's that board you're on right now? 23? 23, yeah. Did you find it was a fair bit easier to paddle up um like with board speed? So it feels like, like it's it's so I also went from 105 to 110 liters. So yeah. and I'm like 190 pounds right now. Um I find that it's it's not very fast until I get a little bit of speed. But once I get some speed and I start getting the rails out of the water and then I'm on that smaller hull, then I get board speed really quickly. Um, yeah. And I can kind of pop off of like the wider rails. I mean, I don't know if that hydro hydrodynamically makes any sense, but it feels like it does. I need more days on it. I've only had a few so far. But yeah, um, and the contour inside the small or like hull is uh -huh. pretty much flat, is it's it? It's pretty much just flat. Yep um yeah like a v that, in the nose that, yeah that's pretty much a similar design to what we've got like it's pretty I, I i find like the flat on the bottom just planes like essentially we're not really getting up to planes planing speed but it like it along the water it just has no like um friction fine like i've uh compared to like a contoured board like a v through the whole board i find that is pushing water somewhere or it's stickier Mm -hmm. um because i've got a uh got another one the phantom and i've we've pretty much gone the same dimension same length same leaders but obviously a different design and i've been comparing them with the sultan and the phantom yep. um the sultan definitely paddles faster it just like i can mow down sections um when getting up on foil other than the phantom is definitely a bit more it comes down to more timing but once up on foil the phantom's a bit more of a surfboard shape so it feels 
to me, nicer to ride. And it just feels more comfortable to do turns and stuff like that. So um, it's like it's it's coming down to like such a niche what you want out of a board. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like surfing. You can't have one board that does it all. No. <laughs> I just sent you um an Instagram video. Mike glassed that board and and he posted it. I just I just sent it to you if you want to check it out. It's probably pretty similar to what you're talking about. Well, one thing I will say is I was very surprised how going from a 7.0 to like a 6.9, how much easier it is to pump the smaller board. I mean, it doesn't yeah. seem like three inches, same weights, but it's it's noticeably easier and less swing weight, like nose to tail on the pump. Crazy, hey. Yeah. Like it's, that like four inches difference. Yeah. Oh my wow. God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, actually, that looks that that's such a sick looking board. Um, it's cool because yeah, like, what's the decal mean? Like, is there any story behind the decal of a logo? Yeah, that's Portal. That's um, I kind of always looked at surfboards as like this um, portal to another dimension, right? Like, they're this thing yeah. that you take out and then kind of get to exist in a different world. So it just yeah. symbolizes kind of like you know, the Going portal into the walking realm. through. But, and it was yeah. like, it's still a barrel because, you know, when I started designing, it was surfboards. So you're definitely, so you're definitely into aliens. Hugely. In yeah. I am too. Are you? Oh my God. We should do <laughs> so a side intrigued. note on that. Are you following all the disclosure stuff happening right now? Like the Senate hearing uh, yesterday? No, I'm not, I'm not that updated, but I did. <laughs> I, I, I just find it so interesting. Um, like yeah. it's definitely uh, it's, we're definitely going off 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 uh off piece here, but uh, That's all it's, right. I definitely, I definitely do believe there's something out there watching us, you know, um, for sure. Do you have a it's theory such, on it? Uh not really. Oh, uh, I definitely believe there's good, whatever we what we perceive as aliens and bad aliens is definitely like there's you know there's on Earth there's humans that want good and then humans that want bad so it's not just aliens that are, are good and you know there's definitely the nefarious ones as well that's, that's really much my theory. that's like the tom DeLong theory um he talks about <laughs> that a lot his books if you haven't checked out the whole um the ttsa stuff to the to the stars academy that tom DeLong, you know he was one of the guys who started um like uh TTSA and he, along with Lou Elizondo and Christopher Mellon, got the the videos released that New York Times article like in 2017 and whatnot. Um, but he he they have a series of books where he's kind of they're fictional, but they're you know, supposedly based on what has happened. They're really good. You probably dig them. Okay, you have to send me a link. I will. <laughs> That's why like all of our board models are you know like the Transmedium, which is one of the five. Um, unidentifiable un unidentifiables like of uh of the, the the characteristics of the crafts and uh yeah i like it yeah the majestic 12 which is that you the program started back in the the what would that have been 47 48 yeah i'm a nut That's when it so comes to, i don't talk about it on the show <laughs> much so i figure we lose some audience maybe there's so much that we should be told about <laughs> right i wonder what they're hiding so crazy. Much. That's what makes it, you know, so intriguing. Yeah. I like the old cases the most because I feel like it would have been a much harder 
to fake it back then. Now we probably have so much incredible tech. A lot of the new stuff's probably, you know, some sort of new military tech we just don't know about. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm like, I'll just say one more thing. The most thing I'm actually interested in is the like, the um, like the devices they have that essentially we don't have the technology for at the moment. You know, like you know, they the 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 aircrafts Mm -hmm. and like they have have propulsion like insanely fast at all directions but we can't debunk it or yep. de you know touch it apart that's what's so interesting um at that senate hearing yesterday they released a video a military shot video of an orb flying through iraq that they um filmed with like a an attack helicopter and it's this just like weird small silver orb that's just like flying with no wings no nothing just flying making turns and stuff it's pretty wild it's crazy yeah. Um, all right, let's go back to foiling. <laughs> let's do a side a side um, podcast here soon on UFOs. Sure. Um, let's see here. Let's let's talk let's talk surf foiling for a bit because there's so much progression that has happened in the last year in the surf, and I feel like styles are being defined. I feel like gear is being ironed out. It's really an exciting time, right? Where um a couple years ago you could kind of see what was going to be possible in surf foiling but now it has become you know the gear is now to the caliber to where what we were dreaming of is possible and you're one of the guys doing the the newly possible on the new gear um where's it going to go from here i guess i i uh i feel that we still have have a lot more progression in uh surf fold design i've always like um i feel like we're just start because we we went from a phase of uh like two three years ago of like the low aspect mm -hmm. now we're going into the higher well we were in the high aspect now we're kind of retracting to the mid to low yep. aspect again i feel like we we kind of miss that that part of um fold design um yeah i feel like like the kind of mid aspect um design will be a lot a lot of focus the next few year or two um with like a foil that can like i i haven't ridden the the uh the progression 140 that you did um but i heard it it does it rides it turns really well pumps really well and has a glide like um i definitely should get it off and have a go of josh's you should steal it um, for a day yeah i'd like to we um we try to link up as much as we can but he's always either traveling or on the other side of sydney <laughs> yeah he's in bali <laughs> about right actually, now yeah he's in bali yeah I, um i'm actually about to move up me and my girlfriend are moving out of sydney in the next month so we'll be even further away but um yeah i feel like a foil for me like that will roll roll over really nicely and like the like not have too it's not too fast of a foil on the wave it matches the speed of the the wave mm -hmm. um i feel like it's going to be really personalized to the rider as well like 
like essentially it'd be expensive, but custom foils to a rider, like <laughs> as, essentially as customized as a surfboard. Obviously, it's a lot more expensive, but um, feel like that could be a possible thing in years to come. In the next ten years, is um we get the design so well um thought out it's just like a a tweak on a computer of like what they want there's like a spreadsheet of what they want and then they can just customize it to that that the specifications i mean if we start getting into being able to 3d print with the structure needed like the structural integrity needed i 100 agree right now the way that they're done it would be way too expensive i mean yeah. i think that you know i'm sure top brands are doing that for top riders right now um but yeah for the masses until there's like 3d printing or something that's going to be a tough one but for it's sure. going to be awesome it, yeah it will that's what i'm very i'm most excited about just to see where people's heads are at with what they're feeling and what they want out of a foil what would you change from what you're riding right now like what are you not getting out of what you ride that you would change um i out of a foil right now i want more turnability i can roll it over even more um just like tighter tighter arcs mm -hmm. as well and then like the pumping is sweet like a wing that can pump you can link three waves four waves is enough i reckon um that's more than enough for surf foiling and then that's a that's a good question more first thing that comes to mind is turning for mm -hmm. sure and i feel like sometimes uh like if the foil is a bit over foiled it like it wants to kind of like level back out it doesn't want to keep turning where you want to go um yeah i feel like the mid aspect realm of wings will be um where that can be achieved yeah i don't know i don't know too much about um like the mechanics of a foil, like the dihedral, anhedral, like the sweep and all that, what that all does. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm definitely very keen to like understand it more. I just got to read books and look on the internet. <laughs> you should go to Puerto Rico and just hang out with Nick for a week. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love, uh, love to. Uh, that'd be epic. Le learn a lot from a, of a master. Yeah. I got to kind of do that through this project with Cliffy and it was hugely valuable just in understanding what I like and what I don't like and why it's been really, yeah. really cool. It'd definitely be very beneficial for both parties, like the writer and then the company, you know, you can get on the same page a lot yep. faster with, um, yeah. hundred percent. Um, yeah. But I, I think about, that, like, oh, sorry. So, I was gonna, so uh, there's been like this year, how many good foils have like been brought out in the last six months? It's crazy. It's like that next, um, that next kind of phase of like, like there's not much going on. And then within six months time frame, there's like so many companies bringing out really good foils. Yeah. I can safely say that we're like in V4 right now. Like this is like the fourth kind of generation of yeah. design hitting the market. 
Yeah, and it's not like they're all achieving. They're going for the same end goal. They're all on their own now, own like path. Mm-hmm. What they want and what they're trying to either fill a gap of a line or you know, like I've like the uh, F one stuff. It seems to be the talk of the town right now. A lot of people are loving it. Yeah, it, it's supposed to go really good. A lot of people compare it to kind of like very similar to the lift stuff. Yep. Um, and I think it depends on where you are because, like, for us in our conditions, there's not enough low end. Yeah. You know, um, but I think if you're in Australia or Hawaii and you're sending, you know, bigger open ocean downwind type stuff, I think it's probably tuned very well for that. For sure. Yeah. You know, it's so like rider specific, as you said before, but then also location specific, condition specific. Definitely. 100%. Like coming coming back to location specific, like I tune my boards um, specific to like where I'm, where, where I'm riding, like say up north what he goes i tune my board my prone board completely different to how i tune it at home is there less energy at water goes um the waves it's a bigger area to foil and the waves aren't as steep so they're bigger more uh, it just depends like they're all more like say here at home it's steeper and like punchier so the curl the curve of the waves steeper and like it's, it's more critical but up there it's um it's definitely not as like sections are steep but the general like wave is like slopey and it's like it's actually the perfect foil wave (laughs) (laughs) like it's such a good place for it How, how would you define the perfect surf foil wave um a combination of like nice open clean face and then like technical steep punchy sections at what size like uh three foot three four foot like chest high or bigger uh yeah chest to head maybe a Mm -hmm. bit bigger than head high like like, um for me i like going as fast as i can on a foil and turning as fast as i can um yeah i really like that feeling of just holding holding a carve as drawn out as you can. But and you're um, riding mostly like the longer mast. Uh, I'm riding the 85, is it? Or 80, yeah, 85 lift. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was up there last time, I was thinking like the 95 or the bigger mast could be good for bigger waves. Just gives you that extra height. You can lean over more. Yep. Um, but me and my girlfriend actually going to be that's going to be our local what he goes in the next month we're going to be living up there it's awesome we've yeah we've made the uh decision to just move out of sydney so we're ex- very excited um i don't know australia very well is it just less like more rural um around like sydney's pretty similar the only place kind of i've been to in america is like california mm-hmm. um sydney like obviously is a, a lot smaller city but when you're in the city it's pretty much the same kind of feeling and then once you go out it, it's definitely a lot more like bushy and rural area like you go out like from where i am to the blue mountains which is like a, a big it's like a massive range of national park it's only an hour and a half from here and 
and then you're in like you're doing hikes and stuff like that. Also, where I live on the northern beaches, like we live on a peninsula. So on the other side of the the what we call pit water, it's a big body of water, there's a national park. So it definitely is more rural than America. Because mm-hmm. um, we're essentially the same size country in land mass. Well, um, but I guess Australia widows don't have population throughout the middle of it. Gotcha. Um, um, yeah. Have you ever been to Australia? I have not, man. It's on, there's a, a uni trip happening that I got invited to go on like in a week or two and I can't make it, which is a bummer. And there's a, they're in Bali right now. That would have been so fun. Um, are they coming to Australia? They are. Yeah. You should link oh, up. No yeah, I will. Definitely. Oh. Um, cause I was chatting to Tom Earl and he said he was going to be over here around May. Um, Oh, that's see, I didn't realize they're all coming back over to Australia. Yeah, they're doing uh, a couple of weeks in Bali, and then I think a week or two in Australia. Yeah, Brian will be over there. Brian Finch. Oh, epic. Yeah, I'd definitely like to meet him and link up with those guys. It'd be yeah, fun. Stoked on that. I'll be jealous. That's why I'm not very yeah. excited right now. But <laughs> I, I was surprised you weren't uh, in Bali. <laughs> no, I, was... I had some work stuff going on. I can't. Yeah. I can't jet. But that's all right. It's hard sometimes. I eh? just got to do. Yeah, you just can't make time. Yeah, but you know what? It's going to be three foot tomorrow, and Eric Geiselman's coming up, and we're going to tow. So that's cool. Let's yeah. talk about that. That would be that's interesting. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Perfect. That's what I was going to say. We should talk about that. That's like foiling as open, like as you essentially don't need to go anywhere now. To follow, yeah. like, I don't have that urge to go as much to go travel and like chase waves when we just have it all here. Yep. Um, I 100% agree that it has, it's been a beautiful thing too, because as any Florida surfer knows, you know, the only thing good about surfing in Florida is like really your trips. <laughs> it's that bad here. And now I don't, I don't want to leave. You know, you've, you've got something on offer all the time. But what I was going to go with that is, you know, Eric Geiselman, um, Gabe Kling, like two of the best surfers in Florida are now fully foil brained. And we're starting to see that happening. Are you guys starting to see that in Australia where good surfers are starting to to become really frothy on the uh, foil? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. um when I was like when we we're up north about a month ago, I was foiling with uh D- Dingo Morrison. It was so sick just to see an ex-pro surfer like frothing on foiling like it was epic um yeah it's it's great that's like that's what i always always kind of think about is how not like the foiling community not even just like the bringing pro surfer ex-pro surfers or pro surfers into it just like the the demographic it brings it attracts like recently i was foiling with like musicians like well-known musicians pro surfers pro wakeboarders um like it was crazy i was just thinking like wow like you don't get this it's not that often you get this kind of sport that brings in all these aspects of life yeah right like uh is that ziggy alberts like he's a father right yeah such a legend yeah that's so cool man Yeah. yeah we caught him just before he was doing a tour it was good to meet him and hang out 
Um, yeah. That's epic. Yeah, I didn't. I actually didn't realize how famous he was until my girlfriend um, <laughs> told me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. Really, like I had heard his music before, but um, he like he like sent me a message about something about the foil, and then I was like, "Oh, who's this guy?" And I was like, "Oh, I know this guy," and then realized it. I was like, "Oh, it's rad yeah. that he's foiling. And yeah. He foils good too. That's what's cool about that it." Was, yeah, it's sick. Yeah, you can foil well. Um, no, nah, it's good. Like it's sick just to see the froth that it brings to, and the enjoyment it brings to people's lives, especially with like um like older crew like that fifty or fifty plus or sixty plus age where they've surfed all their life and they've kind of done all these things like I don't know, I've done all these crazy trips surfing and then like gets to a point where like you can't or you don't progress as fast as you used to and then they've come to foiling and now they're seeing like exponential progression really, you know, like mm-hmm. and that's what's so cool to see people froth about. Is just like something new and there's just so many things you can do with this one sport. It's not just prone surfing. And um, also like the avenues people are getting into it through foiling, like like around where we are, there's a lot of sailors around and they're getting into the sport through wing foiling and then that's making them want to start prone foiling and then downwind foiling. So it's, yeah, it's not just like a, a one kind of tunnel to the uh to the sport and as soon as you start foiling in any of the disciplines you want to do them all you're just yeah. like i need more time on foil it, it's it. funny my partner in the jet ski um a buddy of mine i've known met him actually right when i moved to costa rica he was living down there just a frothing surfer he's also from florida moved back to jacksonville just almost quit surfing because he was so depressed from it and then ended up getting a house in the mountains and it was just sending it snowboarding back country you know for the last like i don't know six or seven years and then started foiling and he's so stoked to be in florida now that he just sold his house in the mountains and he went on a snowboard trip and he came back he's like that might be my last snowboard trip wow <laughs> that's crazy he's like, yeah, it's like so crowded he's like i'm just doing i'm getting so much more fun for the time foiling than i get on the mountain now yeah it's I it's funny because like he obviously lives in the snow and that's kind of his norm, I guess. But like when I go to the snow, I like really enjoy riding like snowboarding and stuff. Like I spend a fair bit of time throughout winter. And I like when I'm in the snow, I'm like, I could this is what I could do for six months. Mm-hmm. I could just ride good conditions. And then um and then you get back on a foil and you're like, this is the exact same thing, but in the water. Like, <laughs> it literally feels this, like, on a, especially on a good, like, powder day, that feeling of your board floating over, yeah. over the, 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 like, over the, like, the, the powder. It's like, that's the feeling of, of just gliding on a foil, but you have lift. Yeah. Like, you got to force. It's just a different type of balance, I guess, but the same yeah. kind of feeling. And the mountain's moving, which is really cool. That's it. Yeah. Continually changing. Yup. You never get the same run twice. Yeah. Um, so we've covered downwind. We've covered some, uh, surf foiling stuff. 
gear talk. What else is going on? Um, we uh, um, we uh, looks like I'm we're gonna gonna go over to uh Hawaii in July and do the do a few races, which would be exciting to meet the the Hawaiian crew and just hang out with them, and then get to actually foil downwind foil or foil different areas that I've never been to, which is looking looking forward to it. Um. Yeah, so I've I've signed up for the M two O, which is in July, end of July, and then I think I'll do the M two M as well. I think that's Maui Molokai, um, which is it's like it's really exciting to actually. This will be the first kind of year of international racing for foiling, so it'd be good to be a part of that and um, just just kind of see where everyone's at which would be it's really going to be really cool it's going to be interesting to see how if the hawaiians have an advantage it, it could because of conditions and riding those conditions or if you know the long runs that you guys have been doing uh, you know if there that's an advantage kind of how the whole thing plays out or how much gear and yeah. tuning you know have, have the hawaiians been able to tune specifically and, and then everyone else will be at a disadvantage yeah, it's gonna yeah. be a really fun season of, of watching all that. Yeah, that's what I'm that's exactly what I was thinking. The most that would be the most interesting, like home advantage or like definitely in Australia our conditions are a lot harder. So if we I don't know, it's like it's that's what's gonna be really cool. And just be cool just hanging out and and um just frothing out with everyone. Heck yeah. <laughs> I was actually just talking to Dave Kalama about that the other day, and he was saying he thinks it's going to be difficult for folks coming to Hawaii to have pre prepared for the amount of speed. He says he thinks it's a lot faster there than anyone really realizes. And I, I have, I've never, I have no idea, but um, like some of the times that people are putting in, you know, like averaging, yeah. you know, 22, 23 miles an hour, um, over longer stretches like that's that's a hard thing to get acquainted you know to get For sure uh, comfortable like with. seeing seeing kane recently do like an average of one minute 50 over a kilometer is like so fast like um in our conditions like say if i do like around a two minute kilometer james will be doing five or six seconds faster than me like it's um crazy so it'll be that's what we're that's what we're just chatting about it's going to be really interesting going over there and just seeing like how much faster we can go on our foils like what are really, the races um july the whole july. Uh, yeah yeah i think i think the middle um i think the m2m is on 15th of july something around then and then the next weekends is the hood river race and then the last weekend of july the 31st is the m2o are you going to do all three? Um, uh, I, I'll, I'm not 100% sure if I'll fly over to Oregon, but I'm pretty keen to. It's going to see um, what the go is. If I do, it'll be kind of a, a sporadic trip within a trip. Be kind of awesome, though. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. um, I was recently doing some flat, I did a flat water session in freshwater. It was like the first time I've ever done that. And um, I didn't realize how much 
harder it is to paddle up on foil in fresh water. Yeah, there's definitely a difference. And then you're faster once you're up. It's less yeah, drag. right. I, yeah, okay. I didn't, I was just, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I, I found the board sticks to the surface a lot more in fresh water because it's less buoyant, mm -hmm. like less uh, yeah, buoyancy. Um, but I only was just pumping around. There's no bumps. So they're interesting. Yeah. I haven't done any real like runs in fresh water, but, you know, towing you know, like wake stuff or, um, yeah, felt it that way. It's interesting to see like yeah, right, how much okay. water yeah. density changes the feel of a foil. I mean, it's only, I think it's a, yeah. uh, what is it? 30, 30 kilograms per thousand pounds is the difference in salt, like the density, something like that. Like it's a, a thousand thirty and, and a thousand as what I brought. Right, okay. Um, so it, so it changes, you know, that uh the density and then the lift just a little bit and the drag a little bit so yeah which is always an interesting one because you know it seems like and that was like the big thing with like we went going back to the lift 120 you look at that foil the first time i saw it i was like there's no way there's no way i'm gonna be able to ride that but then because you're going faster there's still plenty of lift right um and it's crazy that just a couple miles an hour because it's a squared term and like the lift thing lift equation um makes up for you know a, a lot of surface area yeah the, it, it's like it's, it's at a point now where it doesn't even matter what size your foil is like it, the numbers are kind of irrelevant aren't they i, I um, think if you've got good conditions it becomes more irrelevant but i think like yeah. with, with what we're doing it seems like there's a certain amount of surface area I need to be able to just keep it up pumping around unless I just right, want to okay. work really hard. And yep. 120 seems to be like my comfortable minimum. Yeah. And the, and the 140 progression is 140 square inches. Yep. So what, what's that? Is that about uh, 900 square centimeters? Yep. Yeah. Just under, I think it's an 894 yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I agree. I find I find for downwind that's that's a good area around the hundred to one hundred and thirty forty mark mm -hmm. of just not that's a like not using too much energy. Um, because I I've downwinded the the HA ninety a bit recently, and I find um if you're above the top, if you're above the sixty percent of its range speed range it's like amazing just like is so fast and but if you're like in between if you're below that it's a lot it's definitely you're working harder um, and then you're nervous you're going to stall out the whole time too uh, that's yeah, how i get yeah for sure you just want to you're like kind of you, you kind of just hunt, you kind of just like hunting you're not like gliding and cruising like on the 120 i'll just be i can just stand there and stall it out and then go again but the 90 i'm kind of just more i'm more active with um through the run oh one thing we didn't touch on that i have just um started to really love and that is long fuses for downwinding like i'm using the uni it's a 39 millimeter or 39 centimeter fuse um and it, it it's actually longer because the, the the distance between where that starts and like the foil on the progression is already farther than most foils. 
Um, yeah. So it's a really long fuse. Dude, it takes away, it it really ups my level of uh, efficiency and pump, like keeps the heart rate down. It's crazy how much, it's almost crazy. like you're going yeah. to a bigger foil when you do it. For sure. Yeah, I agree. The only thing that it um, that it takes away from is just acceleration. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you don't have that sure. torque, right? Yeah, you just don't like, the longer fuse, I'm, I'm, I'm the same, I go a longer fuse um, and it just... It just smooths everything out, like literally yep. irons all out. And then it's like, yeah, the only thing it takes away from is just the acceleration of the foil. Do but you like find- the cadence, it's crazy. Like the cadence from me shifting my tail um, like 30 or 40 millimeters forward, the cadence of my pump almost doubles. Yep. Yeah, it's correct. Like, yeah. And do you find that it's harder to get up though on foil? I'm finding that a little bit right now as I'm experimenting with it. Like it's a little bit tougher to get up on foil with the long fuse. Longer fuse. Yeah. I feel, I feel like the, the paddle pump technique is like your, 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 your cadence of your paddles is going to be pretty much the same, but you you slow down the pump technique. So you like you pump and let it kind of lift and then pump. But like with your, the shorter fuse, like you're kind of, pump you're pumping you're porpoising the board faster off the surface that's a bit of an adjustment it's hard to kind of um articulate it but like yeah like i'm trying to figure out how i would slow down because right now i kind of like pump with the paddle right use the paddle on the pump i I don't know how you'd separate the two it's like a different it's just a different um timing i guess but it will all come it all kind of happens in itself like you'll just feel it and that feeling you're like you're, you're just like, be like oh, okay that's the that's the feeling like i'm trying i'm getting um yeah i want to try i'm going to try to negative shim the marlin on my next run i love that tail yeah. that tail is actually even really good with big foils i'm liking it on um some big protos i have where it just gives you it might be like a mile and a mile, mile and a half, like better top end. I, it seems yeah. like a lot more top end. And then it just seems to hang on bumps a lot longer, like in our small days. Um, it's a yeah, lot less work. For sure. I find, yeah, with downwind, I find you just want to get that extra, like that, just whatever you can out of that bump. And then it's not necessarily like being on the bump for as long as you can. It's like that extra speed on the bump to go to the next one mm-hmm. to carry through the next. I find that's, that's what I notice a lot with the Marlin tail. You just get that extra, um, get, essentially gives you more time to pick where you want to go instead of, um, like gliding and then like your speeds reducing. And then you go out and like start looking for something. But like, if you're going faster for longer, you can look around and just see where you want to go, where something's going to start, like the direction a bump's going to move. Um, yeah. And it this just lets you chase down things like bumps that are, you wouldn't necessarily be able to chase on a, on a slower tail. What mast are you using downwind? Um, at the moment I'm using a 28 inch, so it's 75. Yep. Yeah. I've, I've, I, I was up until, 
<clears throat> November last year, I was on an 85. And then when I went over to uh, Perth and I was all well, downwinding with all the Perth crew, everyone was on the 75. I was like, I was a bit resistant, resistant to it. And then I rode it and I was like, oh, this is so much better. Yep. It's faster. Uh, uh, holds glide longer. Gets and the up only easier. Thing, definitely gets up easier. Um, only thing I, is just turn. Yep. I did the same thing. I started downwinding on the 83 and now I ride the 75 and it just feels like you're, yeah, it's, it's, it's quicker through the water. Um, and I just like, I just did some testing back and forth on the 75 and 83 and it was amazing how much quicker I'm on foil on the 75 just seems to lift, especially in our little bumps where I think the energy just isn't very deep. Um, it's, it's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, for me, like I've noticed wherever doesn't matter how big your mast is, you're always, your board's always going to be at the same height above the water for some reason. Have you mm -hmm. noticed? Like, so if you, if your mast smaller, your mast is smaller, your, your foils closer to the surface. So there's less resistance. Yep. So it's obviously going to be faster and, and there's less better energy. Less, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Really, always like when I do a local run, I'm like recently I've been tuning in to try and get my my foil in that that top third of the water, and it's crazy. Is it must be? Is it the pressure above the foil that's creating less resistance? Yeah. So a long time ago, I started calling that like reverse ground effect. I I think there might be something there. I've never seen it anywhere. I think that Matt Costa. Costa actually talked about it on the podcast. I think we might've mentioned that, but you know, when you're in really shallow water and you're close to the bottom, how much extra lift you get, you feel that. Yeah. I think it's the opposite of that effect once you get closer. And then I also think that, you know, those little wind bumps just have more energy near the surface. Um, I've been playing yeah. with trying to stay higher on my runs and really trying to like lighten my workload a lot lately to yeah. see if I can do it. And actually that's one of the cool things that I found just going from like the seven O to this little bit shorter board is that our bumps are usually pretty packed together. And so sometimes like I'm not turning as much just because, you know, it's kind of tight and you don't want to like catch the nose on something, but I feel like I've just got a little bit more room and it's letting me just kind of like turn a lot more to stay in the energy versus kind of feeling like I, I should just be like projecting to the next bump or, you know, moving off the bump yeah. I'm on. Or going so, across the back of them, yeah, yeah. Um, there's still so, so much to learn for downwinding. Like it's crazy. Like you think, like why? Like I don't know. I guess I've uh, recently I've been downwinding the the um, the HA110, the new one they uh, brought out lift. And how do you um, like that? It's it's good. It's fast. Um, it's definitely harder to paddle up. It's like harder. It's actually harder to paddle up than my the ninety because it's a. I feel like it's a le, it's a thinner pro, uh, camber, like well lower camber. Mm -hmm. But once you're up on foil, like the other day, I was downwinding and it was good conditions, and I was literally just standing there going like, literally, I'm doing nothing here. I'm like just standing, and the foil's doing everything for me. Like it was just like tapping into energy that I didn't even know was like under me. So I did feel like standing on a bump 
was like, there was a bit of fair bit of swell, ground swell, and I was just on these ground swells. And then it just pushed me to the next one. And I wouldn't even be pumping. I'd just be like just turning through the uh, the bumps and the swell. And I was like, wow, this foil is actually crazy. Um, yeah, definitely one of the most efficient foils I've felt um, so far. That's um, epic. I got yeah. to see Brady Hurley on it at the pump race. And it was kind of laughable how efficient he was pumping around on it. Like, how old is he? Young, eh? Yeah, like 17 or something. Yeah, cool. He's it's sick. He's ripping. I mean, love watching his uh, watching his um, socials. Yeah, real like mellow style. It's it's like a reminds me of Fisher Grant, if you know who he is, like a pro longboarder. Yeah, that's that's sick. Yeah, he's it's cool. Yeah, right. So he, I didn't realize he was riding the uh, the the 110. I don't know just, if he did in the race, but the night before he was uh, surfing it out back. Yeah, yeah, it's a fast foil for sure. It'd be um, yeah, it's at the moment I I can't flat water start it, um, but I'm working on it, working on trying to get it up in the flats so I can essentially use it for race races. Are are you getting any weird? You know, the one thing, so I used to do a lot of subsurfing back in the day and subsurfing was kind of balanced in how you're working, you know, like you're paddling on both sides a lot more than I do in downwind. And, you know, I had a kind of a shocker about two weeks ago where, you know, I got out there and it was just, the there was no wind and I was just being, I just didn't, I just wanted to send it. And there was like, I was just forcing it really hard. And I, I tried to pop up. I finally got up, but it took me like, I don't know, three quarters of a mile to, to get up, just working like 20 something minutes of it. And, yeah. but I'm finding that I'm getting like some weird, I, I don't know if it's tendonitis, like some shoulder and, and some, uh, some elbow stuff on my left side, my top hand, you know, being a regular foot, um, from the downwind starts because they're like, they're really aggressive. Like you're, you know, getting it. At least I am when I'm popping up. Um, are you noticing any of that? Like kind of messing with um, joints or anything? Muscles? Like, um, I definitely, if I do like a flat water session, I paddle up on four, like, I don't know, up to 10 times. I'll get, mm -hmm. I was Josh about it actually. In my, um, uh, in the bicep area, I'll get that feeling. It actually feels like your tendons like pulling. Like it feels like it's been pulled apart. So essentially I've stretched ten a tendon. <laughs> yeah. But that kind of stuff. Yeah, like it, it definitely it's yeah, it's not like a, a, a injury, but like it it takes about a day yep. or two to recover. But um I don't know, I think I've like when I was first doing it, I was getting a lot of that, like in the trap, in the scapula, I'd get a lot of a lot of a lot of like um like my scapula would bulge from just so much pressure being put against it. Um, but I definitely don't get any of that. Um, is it carpal tunnel through the through your hand or the ten, uh, tinnitus or tinnitus? Yeah, uh, I feel like because with my job, I'm a carpenter. I'm always kind of lifting heavy things, and it's just built the muscle up in there. Um, nah, I'm but I definitely like some, some days I will like some days my elbow actually will feel a bit funny, but it would take a day or two to recover and mm -hmm. I'll be all good. I um, find it's like elbow a little bit. I feel the bicep stuff every once in a while. 
And then if I think I've pulled at one point, like the top of my like pec, my left uh, pec, like right up kind of near the armpit, just from cranking on. Yeah, so hard. Just um, paddling as hard as you can. Yeah, it's a bit like, isn't it? You just like trying to dig your paddle in and just go for it. <laughs> All technique goes out the window sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was oh. laughing with a buddy the other day. It's like foiling is this really interesting thing where it's a high demand sport at times. And also the consequences can be hard as far as like, you don't want to come off. If I'm doing a prone downwind and I'm pretty far offshore, you know, I do not want to come down no matter what. And I will push myself so far past, like if I was going for a jog and I was hitting, like I would stop, you know, minutes before I will on foil when I'm offshore. Um, and I think it's a yeah. good thing. It's probably a great thing until it's not. Totally. <laughs> totally agree. That's like, that made me, uh, doing that, um, that lot, the second long distance foil, that was, you explained exactly what was happening the whole time. <laughs> like there's so much head noise. You just like, your ego is just telling you to stop. Just like wants you to fail and you're just pushing past it. You just like. <laughs> So like, I there's part of that part of that downwinder, like the first 30 Ks, um, I had so much head noise. I was just going, am I gonna make it or not? And then luck like slowly the conditions got better and better. And then after we had our second break of eating, like me and James, most of the run were together, like within two or three Ks. And then whenever we had like a the, especially the second one, like we just call each other. Um, and then like he, uh, he, we kind of reference where we are and then we just kind of try and find each other. And then we came down and had lunch, like a second snack or refuel. And then within five minutes of that, the conditions got like three times better. Like it was crazy. And by the end of it, we're just like fully lit on foil. Like we're going so fast, but before that, we're just, just pumping the whole time. And um, the yeah, that noise is insane. <laughs> but that's oh. what that's what I I actually find that quite enjoyable, like pushing past your limit or what you think your limit is at the time, and just seeing what you cap like you're mentally and physically capable of, mm -hmm. like I, which is it's yeah, um, you definitely it's like I don't do much free diving, but when yeah. you when you hold your breath, you have like to a point you have that feeling of like convulsion or not convulsion, but your, your lungs are like really, and then you can go further than that. It's like definitely the same case with physical activity. Yeah. I actually made myself, I got really into like free diving and spear fishing when we lived in Costa Rica and I made myself stop because I get so kind of competitive and into things. I just realized at a point that it wasn't going to be a good thing for me. Like it, it yeah. might lead to shallow water blackout or something. And, you know, I, you know, I love, it's not like I don't have other hobbies and don't love doing other things. I was like, and this one, if you mess up, you cannot come back up. I, you know, yeah. once I kind Serious of realized, yeah, once I started pushing myself past that limit, um, I decided that maybe it was a, maybe it was something I shouldn't like get really competitive about. Um, and I, I'm either kind yeah. of like all yeah, in I've or never, all out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same. <laughs> There's no half halfway between 
You just got to do it or you're not. Exactly. All the uh, beautiful stuff in life, I think, happens in that full, full all-in phase. Definitely. Uh, well, dude, Dane, this has been amazing, man. What uh, is there anything else you want to touch on or you want to give us some final words? Um, you just knocked out an hour and a half, if you can believe that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Felt like 20 minutes. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, I guess we've touched on everything. Well, yeah, we can, we can talk about more UFO conspiracy. <laughs> That's the next podcast, man. We should start a, <laughs> start a side one. This conspiracy. <laughs> um, now nah, just, just thanks to everyone who sponsors me and then just like everyone who's been so welcoming in areas that. I've never followed before. Just the community, how good it is. It's so open and um, everyone just wants to learn and just talk foiling. It's great. Yeah. Name your sponsors. You didn't name them. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lyft, Foils, Amos, um, Ion, Duotone, Dragon, Eyewear, Tohoe Leashes. And then the local foil shop, WSS. It's a good list right there. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this has been awesome. I always love catching up, dude. I always love uh, learning from you. You guys are so far ahead on all this downwind um, stuff. So I've got like four things that I'm excited yeah. to go try now after this conversation. Yeah, me too um yeah it'll be good hopefully we'll either catch you over in america or you come over to australia really looking forward to international riders just hanging out it's gonna be so fun yeah i think the next couple of years are going to be really fun for the sport yeah definitely Yep, we're in that like beautiful period right now yeah um well awesome Still zane th thank you so much for doing this and uh keep dropping banger clips dude everybody loves them yeah, cheers, Eric. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the uh, the podcast. This is the Progression Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonson.